Welcome to the Top Order Podcast. Heaps and heaps to cover this evening. We'll start with some breaking news, conspiracy theories on where the COVID breach has happened in the IPL bio bubble. We've got a roundup of New Zealand domestic happenings. Cricket's going to be at the Commonwealth Games. South African cricket, which a week ago was in turmoil, is now all okay. And then the T20 World Cup director of the tournament, who's also director of the IPL as well, has said that the tournament could move to the UAE in a worst case scenario, but still going to be handled by the BCCI in terms of the organisation. And of course, we're going to talk all things IPL as well, coming up after the swish. Well, guys, we've got to start with Chakravarti and what I think is the best name in the IPL, Sandeep Warrior. You guys are going to tell me that Sachin um, Baby tested positive uh, for COVID-19, believed that Chakravarti recently left the biobubble through the green channel to get a scan on the old shoulder. Um, But nevertheless, uh, we've got our first positive tests in this IPL What's what's going to happen, guys? Are we planes home and game over, or what do we think? Well, first of all, tonight's game between the Kolkata Knight Riders and the Raw Challengers Bangalore has been postponed, and that will be played again at a later date, you would imagine. And now it's a massive scramble for the health staff and the staff of the KKR team to do contact tracing and to make sure that they isolate those players and get them into the into the protocol. But, I mean, what do you guys think is going to happen, not in the immediate term, in the next 24 to 48 hours, which is what they've said they're going to do in terms of contact tracing, but what, what's going to happen from here? Uh, I don't know. That's a great question, Michael. Uh, I guess this is interesting. The reason I find this interesting is because it's the first time that there's been a, a positive test really in, in a bubble. Mm-hmm. We talked to remember when, you know, all those teams were going to tour England, we were like, what you've put all these protocols in place about how not to get COVID, but what actually happens if someone does get COVID? Uh, what are they going to do? So I, I don't, it'll be very interesting to see. I, I'm sure that the BCCI uh, and the IPL organizers will have a plan B, but we don't know what that is yet. Stu? Yeah, well, I was just going to say, I mean, you said not to talk about what happens in the next 24 to 48 hours. I think that's the key, isn't it? Like what mm. how, what does evolve in these next 24 hours? And I, I guess how many, like you would think now pretty much everyone in the KKR setup is going to have, have their tests. I don't know how regularly they have them. Yeah, so they're going to be isolated, it sounds like, for three days in their hotels room in, in Ahmedabad uh, to start with. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know how many... Uh, other teams are sharing the hotel because obviously some other teams are, are usually in the bio bubble, you know, with each other. You bully. They're set. They they are separated either by floor or by wing within the within those hotels. So if they are sharing hotels, they're either on separate floors or separate wings of the hotel. But up until now, they've been allowed to mix, or is each team in its own? I believe distinct... each team is in his own bubble, as as I understand it. Yeah. So I don't think they mix with each other unless they're on the field. Yeah, look, I've got to agree with Lippy. I think the next couple of days are pretty key. And I think the key for the BCCI is actually to be really, really overcautious because if they are for the next three or four days and they can prove that this is just the guys that have got that sort of linkage to the outside world so through those those green channels, then there's a chance that they can get the game on. I think the minute they start to go, do you know what, we'll take a gamble that we've isolated the guys for three or four days and then another test comes out and and the, I guess the likelihood is and you know we're all amateur epidemiologists now after having um, 18 months of COVID knowledge but you would think that the players have mixed significantly enough that you know this isn't going to be the only one in that camp um, unless they get really really lucky 
Um, so I think it's how they react over this period of time. I also think that we've already seen some of the overseas players voting with their feet um, since we recorded last week. Obviously, those Aussies going home, Baldy. Um, Australian Prime Minister's come out with some pretty um, straight talking and said cricketers will not be prioritised to get back into Australia. Uh, we yep. know that the, you know the English um, government have closed flights off to India as well. Um, so you know there's going to need to be charter flights and all kinds of stuff. Um, and look, I guess I'm sure we'll come on to it, but this has got to have a knock-on effect for the World Test Championship at the Rose Bowl and New Zealand's tour um, of the UK as well, because a lot of those players, you know, Jimmy Neesham, Kane Williamson, Lockie Ferguson, are all going to be going from the IPL. Um, I've missed a couple out, uh, Trent Bolt, of course, and um, all going to be having to go from India to England, quarantine, um, and, you know, we've got some uh, yeah, some logistical problems coming up, I'm sure. Well, well, that's the big thing, right? Because, you know, you've said the players have been talking with their feet. The I heard an interview with Shane Bond when he was talking about, uh, actually talking about stepping down from, from the Thunderhead coaching role, which is um, a, bit, a bit of news. Yeah, yeah, I think he's, he's doing that really just to spend more time with the family. Obviously, all this time in bubbles and stuff just makes it extra. I mean, when we chatted to him, he was saying how how painful it was to be sitting, you know, within sight of his house for for two weeks, sitting in his hotel room. So, you know, but he was mentioning how there was a lot of chatter around around their hotel, and, and it was it was occupying their mental space. The fact that like, what's going to happen when we when this tournament finishes? How are we going to get home? What what are we going to do? So I'm going to put you on the spot, Baldy, because you've got a new haircut, and I like it. Fair enough. <laughs> If you're the uh, the person who's running this competition, what are your what are your actions over the next seventy two hours? Well, the first thing I'm going to do is make sure that no one from the KKR wider squad has has contact with anyone else. So they're going to be isolated until they return negative tests over a five or seven day period at a minimum. Um, we'd obviously have to reschedule all of KKR's games over the next week. They're they're going to be postponed, and we'll reorganise those. The first thing to do is is to make sure that we get to the bottom of any of the contact tracing that we need to do and make sure that we can confirm that um, through genomic testing and, and all the rest of it that the strain that Varun Chakravarti and Sandeep Warrior have is one, the same strain, and two, that it's been picked up or can be linked to another case in the wider community and that we don't have any spread of COVID-19 within that bio bubble. All of those things happening you can be reasonably sure at that point that, like we have here in New Zealand, that a case has come through the border and not a community case within the IPL bubble. There's no breach of the bubble. So as long as you can establish all of those facts in pretty quick order and can isolate that team and then maybe do a bit of praying to um, whatever you know higher power that you, that you subscribe to, that it hasn't got any further than that. If it gets further than that and it, you know, it happens that... You know, the Delhi Capitals, who I think were the last team to play KKR, there's a case in the Delhi Capitals potentially. You know, all of those kinds of worst-case scenarios start to come into play. And then you look at locking down multiple teams for a couple of weeks and then the tournament schedule starts to become affected. But I don't think at this point the owners or the organisers will be looking at, you know, wide, wider postponing of games or anything like that. But they do have to make sure that they follow their protocols in the next 48 hours. Yeah, look, there's one thing I think that you can be sure of and that politics is going to play a part in this. You've got the BCCI. Um, they're already not very pleased with Deraj Malhotra, who is the tournament director for both the IPL um, and the World Cup, as we've said, because he's gone out and, and publicly gone on record to say that there's a chance in a worst-case scenario 
that the tournament or the World Cup gets moved um, to the UAE and, and they weren't very happy with that although every logical step would tell you that that was the case India was in a much better place for the last IPL that got mm. moved to the United Arab Emirates they're in a worse place now the tournament's going on and they've got a World Cup coming up um, so certainly I think but you know politics is going to play a part in that but a little bit like last week when we were talked about South Africa I think a week's going to be a hell of a long, a long time, time in cricket yeah. and we'll know um, we'll know a lot, lot more um, over that um, over that period. Shall we move on to some of the domestic um, stuff? Some good news uh, for Hein M- Milan Lippi. So joining the the Black Caps coaching setup. Yes, yeah, so Heinrich Milan has been added to to the coaching staff, which was an interesting move. I mean, I I know um, you know they've they, already got Luke Ronke, they've got um, Shane Jurgensen as as the batting and bowling coaches respectively. It sounds like Heinrich Milan will, will come in and, and probably run sort of a lot of the fielding side. I mean, it was quite um, eye-opening, I guess, when, when we talked to Peter Fulton and how he kind of said, um, basically, when you're one of those assistant coaches, a, a lot of your role is actually just throwing the ball or, you know, so Heinrich Milan might just be running fielding drills and things. But you would think that um, it's still going to be really beneficial for him to be in and around that setup. It's a it's a good reward. He was someone who has been ambitious throughout his whole time uh, in New Zealand, coming from South Africa. Had a really successful stint at CD, and now is is with Auckland, and is being rewarded for that, I guess. And it's uh, I suppose it's uh, you know we talked a lot about New Zealand trying to build up their playing stocks. It seems they're trying to do the same with the coaching staff. I guess the other thing is in in a biosecure environment and. Um, look, I, I don't know whether that will be the case for the tour to the UK because um, UK government's responded pretty well. Vaccinations rolled out, lockdowns are easing in the UK now. But being involved in a coaching capacity during this kind of, um, I guess you'd say, crisis management sort of um, phase, that's going to really add to his stock from a man management perspective, a pastoral care perspective as well, because you, you know, you are so close to guys that have got more than just the cricket going on. So, really, really good opportunity. Um, for him and, and the guys are in camp now bowling with the old Duke's ball which which will be going around corners you'd have thought for certainly for Southie yeah so I'm, I'm quite interested to hear I've never actually played with a Duke ball have played in England a couple of times never actually played with a, a Duke I can't even remember what it what it was called definitely a lot different than the Kookaburra ball here you would have played with the Readers probably possibly yeah yeah, yeah. but I mean like I, I saw a little footage of Neil Wagner doing a bit of talking about uh, you know his first sort of first sort of spell back in this camp and, and bowling with the Dukes and and just how how much it is it does differ from the Kookaburra particularly in the, the swing side of things and and you know because the Kookaburra you're wanting it to swing late aren't you if you're a seam bowler you want to that's when you can be at your most lethal but the Dukes he was you know he was sort of saying how how it does swing early at times and and yeah really like working hard on that I mean Binksy do you have any insight on how the Duke ball is so different from the Kookaburra? Yeah, so I mean, bear in mind, I most of my career had the gloves on, so um, yeah, couldn't necessarily get as good a feel of it as as Neil Wagner. But just from a characteristics perspective, I, I think the Dukes feels a little bit smaller in the hand, um, and, and I'm sure that's a you know a little bit of a um, I guess a, a, a myth, but it does feel a little bit smaller in the hand, a much more pronounced seam than the Kookaburra. Um, and as you said, I think with the Kookaburra does swing early, but you you know, Baldy will tell you, you'll only probably get six to eight overs of new ball swing out of that. And then it really does start to go a little bit soft, the, the Kookaburra. Mm. Duke maintains its hardness for a period of time. 
and you can get a really, really good shine on it. Um, and that shine will stick around and you'll get um, conventional swing for quite a while with the, with the Duke's ball and then it will start to mm. um, to reverse, typically a little bit later than the kookaburra. And the technique required is a little bit different, right? You you can wobble the seam a little bit more in England and, and then it will start to go late. If you swing it with a traditional sort of Australian outlook and sort of stand the seam up to first slip, it will co- almost swing out of the hand and will swing consistently. And it was like the under-10s, you know, you used to get that one bowler who could swing the ball, but it would all, always... The Red King. Yeah, it would always swing from the top of the hand all the way out, and you could kind of line it up a little bit if you were good enough to get used to it. But with the English conditions, it's a it's a little bit different, and you can, you know, Jimmy Anderson's the king of, of presenting that wobbled scene that sometimes swings and, and sometimes holds its line, and, and that's what makes him so dangerous. Yeah, but, you know, you guys have got the practitioners to do that as well. Absolutely. Um, you know, Tim Southey, uh, Trent Bolt... Uh, Carl Jamieson and, and Wagner himself are, yeah, are, are going to be reasonably uh, reasonable exponents, I think, of that ball. We don't want to. You want to throw Colin de Gronholm in there as well. He is he is a guy who could nibble it around in English conditions and be quite worrisome at that one twenty five kind of pace. Yeah, absolutely. Have we? Um, do we know what ball's going to be used in the World Test Championship? I haven't actually seen it officially named, but I would guess, given the fact that that they're using the Dukes in these uh, in these sessions, they've given Carl Jamieson, Trent Bolt. Duke's balls to take over to India and, and bowl within the nets. That's part of some of the controversy we might come to soon uh, that's sprung up on a, on another cricket podcast. But, yeah, I, I, I would say it's it's got to be the Dukes, doesn't it, if they're, if they're putting this this much effort into it. And, and I mean, I was going to say it's quite good that it, it seems to me very good that they're taking these one percenters. And, and, I mean, when you think about it now, it's it's completely obvious that they should be doing this, but mm. it's something that maybe, you know, 10 years ago when preparation was not as as heightened as it is now something you might not do it's a look it's a pretty interesting set of circumstances the cricket ball you know i think if you go and listen to a number of cricket podcasts i'm not going to name them um necessarily um although i think that the one i'm i'm talking about was the cricket analyst podcast i talked to the managing director of the duke's cricket ball company Mm. and they were actually trying to manufacture a duke's ball that would work in australian conditions so what they found was that the English Duke ball in Australia on a lot harder pitches just got ripped to shreds early on. So they actually were trying to um, physically alter the makeup of that cricket ball to make a Duke's cricket ball that would work in all conditions. Mm. Similarly, that's the reason I think they will use the Dukes in the World Test Championships because the Kookaburra hasn't really been tested in in English conditions. Um, although I know there is some moves to try and play yeah, think, it a little bit in the county championship. Yeah, I think Cooker have been doing a lot of work on, on getting an English-style ball going for those kind of conditions as well, Raj. I, I noticed they're also they're in a uh, some kind of marquee where they're they're training during uh, the next two weeks. I know they're waiting for like the second round of vaccinations and stuff like that, but don't you think it would be more beneficial for them to actually be over in, in England playing a little bit of warm up matches? I mean, I suppose that they'll take enough players now that aren't at the IPL mm, who yeah. could they could put a team together and so start- are, they, are they in a bubble at camp? Preparing, or are they just I think free it's more just. About? I think it's more just a training thing. They're yeah, just yeah. all in one place. Look, I, I guess the, the thing for me now is we aren't batting an eyelid anymore. That players are going to go straight from the IPL and almost go straight into Test cricket with no warm up matches. We, you know, we're actually now saying, do you know what? It used to be a tour was three or four warm up games, and then you're into the Test matches, and you've got a little bit of time to change formats. 
Um, and I think the guys have been in and out of bubbles so much. They're just going to want to be at home right now, particularly in New Zealand, um, you know, enjoying the freedoms of, you know, wandering around, they're down at the Mount, presumably. Yeah, I mean, half of them aren't at home, but I know what you yeah, mean. Yeah, they're, they're, out, they're able to go wherever they want. Go wherever they want. Go to a restaurant. You know, family can be with them if they like, and it's a two-hour flight for them to join their uh, join their husbands and, and boyfriends and whatnot and family there. And then off to the UK, and, you know, who knows what will happen in terms of the restrictions that they'll face there. It, it might be a plus for us, though, in, in that sense because you say uh, like all, probably all, almost all of the Indian players who are going to be in the IPL uh, in that World Test Championship are in the IPL and or are at least in that environment. New Zealanders, we have quite a few people who aren't and that probably segues nicely to Will Young who's scored 100 uh, for, um, for who's he playing for? Durham. Durham. That's right. Yeah, Durham. And I mean, and what interesting enough, opening the batting. Mm. So uh, I feel like uh, Tom Blundell's kind of going to be shunted quite far down possibly that list now. I mean, we've talked at length about Devin Conway and, and how we're going to get him into the squad. But if you think about that New Zealand batting lineup, there's really only Kane that's that's in that IPL and, and in that sort of setup. And then you're going to you're looking at Conway, Latham, Nichols, Taylor, you know, Young, who we've just talked about, who are who are going to be training for, for four-day, five-day stuff at the moment. So, you know, potentially that could work really in our favour. We've got those two tests beforehand against England. India doesn't really have anything. So, yeah, it's 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 a good thing, I think. So Gary said did, uh, they did talk to him today about, I don't know if you heard Ross Taylor got a little niggle as well today. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very likely that those guys from the IPL won't, won't be there for the England test yep. matches. So you're looking at Devin Conway, you're looking at um, Ravindra. To, to play, but I, I, I feel like the balance of the side in the next two games that they play is going to be very interesting. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's going to be really revealing uh, what happens in this that those two tests against England. They're going to be really fascinating. I, I'd be interested to know what you think, Pinksy, about the, the England side and, and what questions there are here. I, I think a while ago we mentioned... Uh, Hasib Hamid, um, and you know he's a name that now is is being thrown up as as someone that might be in the England squad. Yeah, look, I think steady on with that chat at the moment. Two hundreds and a ninety in the most recent game. He got a duck in the first innings of that game where he got uh, ninety last week. He's he's uh, also one of the only batsmen to average over forty <laughs> in the last eight years. How many were there again? For England, four. Four. Yeah, well, we well three try- now because folks dropped out. Oh, we can't. Well, I'm not going to try and name him again. But um, <laughs> uh, look. I think England have got some questions. I think, in a way, um, the fact that Joss Butler is probably not going to be back um, mm-hmm. gives Ben Folks another opportunity and probably means have to think about the way that that batting's going to work. You'd have to think that um, Ollie Pope and Dan Lawrence will continue um, to get a go. There is a question at the top of the order for me. Um, Rory Burns was the man in possession, and as much as Raj has a love affair with him, I'm not quite um, in the same uh, camp. Um, so look, I think there is actually a spot up for grabs at the top of that order for someone that scores um, a weight of runs and particularly with Chris Silverwood now um, taking over those selectorial duties. Um, he's seen a lot of county cricket, obviously, as a coach of a very, very successful Essex side before he got the gig with England. So I think he will rate county cricket and, you know, I think Adam Lythe um, is scoring mm. runs again. So there's a few guys putting their hands up there. So it's going to be pretty interesting to see. I definitely think you're going to see Ollie Robinson um, get a go. 
um, with the ball. And James Anderson just returning to fitness. So um, he's a couple of weeks behind schedule, had a little bit of a niggle, um, but back bowling in the nets for uh, for Lancashire now as well. Yeah, it's exciting. So, you know, we're into May now. It's actually only a month away. It felt like, you know, a little while ago, it felt like these, these tests were quite a long way away, but now they, they feel very close. It's exciting. So shortly after Anzac Day here in New Zealand, good time to talk about the Commonwealth and cricket at the Commonwealth Games. Um, Baldy, you want to talk us through the format? Uh, sure. Uh, Commonwealth Games 2020 and 2022. Uh, where are the Com Games in 2022? Good question, actually. I, 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 I don't even Hold know. On, caller. You go through the uh, the format and I'll uh, ask Dr. Google where they are. Radio. So Australia, India, New Zealand, Pakistan, South Africa and England are the three big teams, or no, the, the big teams in the Com Games for 2020. Uh, there'll be a nation from the Caribbean and they've all qualified and there's one more qualifier to come. My question is, why aren't all the Caribbean nations allowed to play 2020 cricket? I'd love to see. I'd love to see, you know, Antigua play Barbados or, or Jamaica in, in in T20 cricket in the Com Games. I think it'd be brilliant. Yeah, well, I think they've they've got their. Um, I think it's probably time, isn't it? That's the that's the, often the thing about cricket in these big tournaments uh, or in these big events and and you know in the Olympics, World uh, Commonwealth Games, all this stuff. How do you how do you fit all the games in and and still look after player welfare and all of that? So they want to keep the the teams down to. Eight, so that the West Indian sides are all playing each other for the opportunity, and I, I guess what I think is like is so interesting about this, particularly in the the women's game, is it to me feels like this this could be if if it's something that sticks, it could be something that's put on the same sort of pedestal as as a World Cup because T Twenty World Cups are, are a big deal now. Back in nineteen ninety eight, when Commonwealth Games was uh, cricket was there for the men, it seemed like a bit of a joke. I I, I can't actually remember. Uh, I know that New Zealand got absolutely thumped in one of the games against Australia, and the and so South Africa, I think, won the tournament. But I think beat Australia in the final. But yeah, both Australia Steve, beat us. Steve and Mark War played in that tournament. I think it, but it wasn't quite a full strength Australian side. Was no, it? I don't was, think so. This is KL ninety eight, ninety eight, ninety eight. Yeah, I remember reading. I think it was Steve War's tour diary, and you know that they, they talked about it being a privilege to be there with those kind of athletes. Mm. Um, and, you know, almost felt a little bit embarrassed that they were going out for, a you know, a feed of KFC and a couple of beers and the swimmers and the athletes were like, well, no, I can't do that because I've trained for four years and, you know, having a little bit too much salt or a little bit too much too is new in my system is really going to affect my performance. And mm. Mark War apparently incredulous that his newspaper wasn't outside the door when he opened uh, his room in the athletes village. Um, I'm going to get my um, passport revoked. It, the Commonwealth Games actually in my home city of Birmingham, and and now I come to think of it, they're actually building the aquatic venue at the end of my old road, so which I did know. So um, yeah, so Birmingham and Edgebaston will be the cricket um, venue. Yep. So for for that, uh, yeah, for and that. it's a women's tournament as well. We should we should point out for listeners who haven't been following along, women's tournament round robin, and then uh, it looks like semis and final. Yeah, uh, in that tournament. So oh, I think it's exciting. I think it's a, a great opportunity to obviously, you know, we always want to to showcase cricket to a, a wider audience. And and like I said, this I think this tournament has the potential to be something that sticks and 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 a big a big deal on the cricketing calendar because that that's sort of the reason why some of these things you go oh well why bother with that because it's not the pinnacle of their sport. But there's no reason why this can't almost replace or be alongside the T20 World Cup because it's going to have all the best teams in the world. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. South African cricket, it's all okay. So last week, doom and gloom. Um, this week, agreement reached with the provinces. So 
Um, Border, have you, have you been keeping an eye on this as well? Yeah, kept a quick eye on it. Cooler heads have prevailed this week or last week on Wednesday. So on the 28th of April, the 14 provinces of South African cricket got together and unanimously signed or agreed to the change in governance structure. So there'll be a new board in South African cricket moving forward. Uh, that will be uh, a majority of independent board members, so eight independent board members, five from the provinces, the CEO and the CFO will form the new board uh, to govern South African cricket. So Matithwa has, uh, having published his gazette um, threatening to remove South African cricket or de-recognise them, will now uh, revoke that threat and it looks like things can move forward in South Africa. The question for me is that there's a there's an uneven number of seats at the table for the provinces. So... There are five seats for, for what I would assume would be the five biggest provinces in South African cricket to get a seat at the table, and then everyone else will be fighting for scraps. So I think there will be uneven representation moving forward, and that could create an imbalance of power between those provinces, you know, a, 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 a situation of there being the haves and the have-nots, if you like. I mean, if you think about it in sort of New Zealand terms or in Australian terms, what how would we feel if Auckland and Canterbury got seats at the board and none of the other smaller... In, you know, in inverted commas, provinces got seats at the board, or New South Wales and Victoria were on the board of Cricket Australia, and no one, and no one else was. So, I think there'll be, um, I think there's more to come in that, but it looks like things are starting to finally move forward for South African cricket. Yeah, look, and not uncommon that those bigger provinces do have that say. If you look at England, the Test grounds. So, if you, the likes of Headingley, Old Trafford, Edgbaston, Surrey, and Lords, you know that they probably have a an imbalance of power over some of the counties that don't host international cricket. But yeah, certainly some questions to ask. But look, I guess good that they're going to be able to play um, some international cricket. Do you think the ICC got involved in that that politics at any stage? Tried to mediate that? I think that the threat was there, right? So a combined threat of deregistration of the boards and the provinces, as well as the threat from the ICC of if the government gets involved, they will they have the potential, they have the, the power, the big stick, to you know, cancel cricket in South Africa effectively and deregister them or, or not recognise their national side. I think sort of cooler heads have prevailed in the end, and they've realised that the only way forward for South African cricket is to is to come to an agreement, which is good. At least we can get South African cricket back on track, hopefully. Awesome. Well, that wraps up this week in cricket. We've got plenty more to talk about, though, um, particularly the IPL leading into the T Twenty World Cup. So, um, lots and lots of chat about T Twenty coming up after the break. Welcome back to the pod. Last week, we talked through all the runners and riders and went through a little bit of a wash-up of everyone's fortunes. We're reaching the halfway stage, and because our predictions are so horribly wrong, we don't really want to go back and go team by team and um, recount where we've um, all gone wrong. Obviously, KKR, uh, one of my picks for the top of the tournament, are going to be cruelly robbed of that place um, um, if COVID uh, takes a hold on the camp. But, Bordy, we've got to start with your man, Davey, the bull, well, the Reverend Warner, haven't we? Um, so, axed as Sunrisers captain. Um, coach Trevor Bayliss and Tom Moody, who's director of cricket, have said he was um, gutted, disappointed, um, and a little bit angry, I think, at um, that decision. But seems to have been made for the right reasons with um, the best um, captain in world cricket taking over the franchise. We certainly can't argue with 
Kane Williams' chops as a captain of a cricket side, can you? And I think this is probably a vote of no confidence in David Warner's leadership. Uh, it's not... I don't think it's anything to do with his batting. I mean, he's one of the highest run scorers. in the, odd, isn't he? Yeah. yeah, one of the highest run scorers in the tournament. I think he brought up his 50th 50 or some other ridiculous statistic um, as part of the tournament. But I think it is, it's both a captaincy thing and also a balance thing uh, for the Sunrisers um, in, in terms of the way that they want to run their cricket side. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be disappointing for him. I don't think there's a way back for him now at Sunrisers. I think he's probably done with that franchise. I think he would have to move on to another franchise and see if he can earn a gig somewhere else. Um, I, I think it would be very difficult for him to come back into that into that squad next year um, as, as a senior player on that side. And he's, what, 34, 35, David Warner? Something so of that ilk, yeah. Do you see him hanging up his boots for good? No, I don't think so. I think he's got a lot to offer T20 cricket. I mean, we've seen it in this tournament. He's been a, he's been a good batter. I mean, the knock on him is that he hasn't scored runs at a very high clip. I think his strike rate's something like 110. You know, if you have a look at Kale Rahul's constant criticism of his strike rate, his is in the 120s, 125, 130. So Last year. Yeah, his last year. good this year. His, his strike rate's pretty but, good this I mean, year. I mean, he could move to Mumbai and open the betting with Quinton de Kock. David Warner. <laughs> I think yeah, that would, go down well. I think that I think that would be fantastic for fans. I'm not sure that they would run well between wickets. Is, is this whole thing? Is this something where we just need to get Alf Stewart involved and, and bash some heads amongst these Australians there and the Sunrisers set up? Tom Moody, Bayliss, and and Warner. Well, not Tom Moody and Trevor Bayliss combined a bit like Alf Stewart, <laughs> but I just feel like they've just rattled around a bit and got offside with each other because. He, his record is disgusting, David Warner. His record is incredible at, in the IPL. Oh, you meant disgusting, Dis- like sick. Disgustingly yeah. like fully good. Sick, yeah. Like fully sick, mate. Yeah, yeah. so under 35's reference. Sorry, yep. you guys didn't get it. But um, <laughs> that it, it can't be performance-related. There's got to be some kind of I think it's. I, 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 look, I don't know anything about that setup other than my speculation, which is that it's a leadership thing. I think they wanted a change in leadership. I think change in form, change in leadership. And he's the he's the he's the scapegoat. He's the fall guy for that at the moment. The problem is, and we did talk about this before the tournament, with Bearstow, Kane, and David Warner, it, it's not going to create a balance. And, and Jason Roy around the setup now as well. It's not going to create a balance, and they need Rashid Khan in there. Mm. So you know, it, it, there's always going to be that problem, and that's the conclusion they came yeah, to. I think, what what I think came first, though, the chicken or, or the egg? Do you think they made the decision to drop him first and then it was kind of like, well, you can't really have him as skipper if he's left out of the side? Or do you think they said, we'll get rid of him as skipper and therefore we can drop him? I think it's probably a combination of both. I think the fact that they could drop him and get a new captain in. I think it's the former. Sorry, I'm just going to jump over you, Lippy. I think it's the former. I think that they wanted to drop him and uh, they, they captaincy... They just, just fell. With you reckon? It. I, I, I reckon. You, so, you reckon it's performance related, or you reckon it's balance of the side related? They uh, needed to change the balance of their I team, and he's the one to do it. Star- they wanted to go with two batsmen, yeah, an all rounder, whether that was Jason Holder or Muhammad yeah, Nabi, or someone, Nabi, yeah. or and a bowler, which is Rashid Khan. Right. I think it was. So, it's not necessarily his specific performance, but they needed to change the balance of their team, and he was the one they picked. And also, he did speak negatively, didn't he, as well last week about the selection. Yeah, well. I think it's just all in there. And I think it's yeah. I think there's more to it than than meets the eye in terms of that relationship between those three Australians running the show, or uh, we're running the show. I, I I'm really surprised, Paulie, that you say that it's it's sort of irrecoverable, and and that you think 
he's going to have to move on to a, to a new franchise. I think I, I think there's a lot of points. I mean, firstly, yeah, you, you touched on it just then, Raj. He was uh, Warner was very critical, I think, of uh, the fact that they dropped Manish Pandey and, and left him out of the side. Who's now back and opening in Warner's spot. Yeah, well, it, and, and it was a weird decision because he's someone, you know, if you look through the Sunrisers setup, we've talked a, a, at length about how a lot of their local players, that's where the, the weakness lies. And, you know, I, I think, real to me, this whole thing, and, and we've touched on it before as well, that this is a failure of their organisation. To me, that there's no there's no reason why you should spend your resources on three top order batsmen like that and leave the rest of your lineup so exposed. And it, it does mean they had to do this last year. They dropped Johnny Besto because they went actually like we can't just have this balance. Mm. And so, to me, David Warner is the one that's missing. He's he's being thrown under the bus here because he's got to someone has to miss out, and they've gone well. Kane needs to play because Kane's come in and, and done really well and he can captain the side and Bairstow's our keeper and, and he's and he's been batting better than Warner. I mean, Trevor Bayless talked on the um, on the game last night and he almost sort of talked himself out of why he dropped Warner. He was saying, well, actually, we've we've played on fo- our first five games on um, the on the on a pitch that's been really difficult to bat on, and you know, no wonder that teams, no wonder our batsmen have been struggling in those conditions. They finally came to a, a good pitch last night, and they left Warner out. They could have really used Warner, and you know, I mean, we talked about what a good captain Kane was, and and I don't disagree. And but he took a lot of risks last night in that game, and he he he. They brought in Muhammad Nabi so that they had more balance. They didn't bowl Muhammad Nabi until the 15th or 14th over. Yeah, and Rashid Khan had bowled all his overs by the 11th, which he'd never done before. He'd never bowled that early, and he'd never bowled out that quickly. So interesting tactics. They kind of backed themselves into a corner here because they're not that depth. They've got uh, Kumar and Natarajan hitting, you know, the spearhead of that bowling attack. Natarajan's now injured. Yeah. So they've got no bowlers, and... That means that when the team batting against them, all they need to do is see off Rashid Khan's four overs. And that's exactly what and they And that's did. what everyone's doing and mm. going after all the other bowlers. It makes it difficult for, for Warner as a captain when you've got that bowling attack and it makes it, it'll make it difficult for Kane moving forward. So it'll be real interesting to see if their team's fortunes turn around with Kane at the helm. I don't think it will. I don't think much will change for that franchise. They're anchored to the bottom of the table at the moment and I don't think much will change. Um, but I just think, I just feel like David Warner is such a proud cricketer that... That, that vote of no confidence in him as a leader and despite his good performances, him being dropped from the side, I think he'll find his way into another franchise and I think actually it's probably a breath of, breath of fresh air that he'll need to maybe reinvigorate his IPL fortunes. I find it astounding. I, look, I, I guess this is a little bit of lack of research from uh, from me, which isn't uh, isn't uncommon. But I couldn't believe they've got Tom Moody and Trevor Bayliss, like director of cricket and head coach. Like, There's a lot of cooks... Um, potentially spoiling that uh, spoiling that broth, I reckon for uh, for sunrisers. Let's move on to RCB. A little bit of a wobble potentially. So lost two out of their last three after winning the first four, and um, they got given hidings as well by CSK and uh, Punjab Kings as well. They could have easily lost that that third game as well. They only won in the last ball. Mm. Um, I think there's a there's a number of factors for them. You know, sort of their change in the way that they've been playing. I think that where they've moved from, was it um, they were in Chennai, were they? Where it was a bit more sprint friendly, yeah. but slower. Uh, someone who's gone missing is Harshal Patel. He was really performing in the early parts of the tournament and he's really struggled. You saw Jadeja absolutely took him apart and then someone else took him apart in the other game. 
Yeah, he hasn't been the same since that Chidasia over, really. Yeah, but he's been he's gone for over fifty in two of those games, which they've lost, and it's just a massive momentum switcher or shifter. Momentum, momentum, and it's interesting. That the runs have kind of been spread around the RCB. No one's kind of taken it with the by the scruff of their neck. Um, Maxwell's batted well on occasion, but got a first ball duck the other night. Mm. Uh, Dev Dutt Padakal, he's been bat- he's batted well in one game. Coley's batted well in a couple of games. AB has been the real shining light. <coughs> Glenn Maxwell. I said Maxwell. He oh, did. Yeah, I said okay. him first. Okay, he's, good. He's, he's he's been a shining light, but I think he needs to bowl. I think so too. Yeah, you're right. But uh, the, the biggest issue I have with RCB is that they are not batting Maxwell and AB Davies in the top four. Yeah, I don't know why they've started this to to put uh, Devdut Padita and or not Devdut Padita, um, Padita. Um, I don't know why they put him up at three. Like things were going well, I thought with Maxwell and and uh, and AB at three and four. It's the same. It's the same. It's the same thought process as Moen Ali batting at number three for CSK. Yeah. It just gives them that really long batting order. But I would rather than Maxwell and AB Davilias. Get face a, more balls. Get face more balls. Yeah. yeah. We'll it, come to that when we talk about Mumbai because they've made a change and it's worked for them. Yeah, well, and it, it's weird, isn't it? Because it, it feels like RCB was was flying. They suddenly, you know, they, they had a bit of uh, a bit of spark about them. They brought in Maxwell. He was doing so well. But, yeah, they, they've just gone off the boil and, and it still doesn't feel like, uh, I know when you talked to, in, in the preview, Raj, you talked about uh, the difficulty they have really of, of nailing down an 11. And I think Baldy mentioned it last week. He was really keen to talk to you about that because, and when you when you were away. And I, I just don't know what if they know what their, their best 11 is. I was going to say, it's going to be an interesting period coming up for them to figure that out because you know, tonight's game against the KKR on the 4th of May is, was going to be postponed. So that may be postponed by a week or so, perhaps. But their next game on the 7th is against Punjab. Then they've got the Sunrisers. So they've got two teams out of the top four to figure it out. Then they've got Delhi and the Royals and Mumbai in the space of six days. So if they haven't figured it out by then and they go down to um, Delhi and lose and they go to Mumbai and lose, then that could be that could be you know a, a real challenge. And then they, get, they finish their season on the 24th against CSK, who are flying high right now. So... You know, they've got some big games coming up in the back half of that program. If they don't figure it out in the next couple of games, they could be in a bit of strife. I feel like, uh, like a lot of teams, they've fallen sort of into, this is how we're going to play in this ground, and they haven't switched that for where they've moved to at the moment. Mm-hmm. They need to bring Saini back. They need to, Siraj needs to stand up, and their pace bowlers need to take some of the responsibility. Chahal's struggling with the ball, but yeah. I think he'll get there. And get AB and, and Maxwell batting in the top four. Yeah, got to get them up the order, haven't you? I think, I mean, and I think it's a different conversation to the Andre Russell one that we were having the other week because they are, um, as much as I think Dre is, uh, you know, a fantastic player, um, they are top order batters and are wasted when they're coming in potentially at five yep, and six 100%. with just six or seven um, overs to go. Dan Christian in a bit of strife. Who wants to talk about this? Oh, personally, I just I think it's an absolute storm in a teacup, like. Not even a deal, big deal at all. It's sort of just weird that it became a deal because I suppose it's about Virat Kohli and, you know, if anyone hasn't uh, heard of what's going on, basically Dan Christian and uh, and Kyle Jameson were on the Great Cricketer podcast were talking about uh, how, you know, what the camp in, at RCB, Kyle Jameson's got the, the Duke's ball with him. Kyle, Kyle Jameson was sort of talking about how he's got one with him and he's going to... Um, 
he's going to bowl in the nets and, and Virat Kohli sort of put his hand up and said, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll bat against you if you like. And Dan Christian, you know, made a joke about how, of course he would, and he'll be, you know, studying him and trying to take on, uh, pick up notes for the World Test Championship final. But that's obvious, isn't it? Like Ex- that, that, exactly. All of that stuff is obvious. Like, Jamison wants to bowl with the Duke's ball. Coley wants to face it. Coley will be taking as many notes as he can, and so will Cole Jamison as yeah. well, by the way. They're, neither of those guys are dumb. It's, this is all obvious stuff. They'll be doing the same when they're bowling to each other in the 100%. nets, you would think, right Every now. New Zealander right now is taking heaps of notes, and every Indian player who's bowling to or batting against a New Zealander will be under instruction to take notes and study film. I mean, it's obvious. My, my biggest issue with that, if, if I'm RCB, is that I don't want Kyle Jamison bowling a length ball. I want him bowling full or short, bowling a 20-20 length. <laughs> I know. Well, look, just stay tuned because we will, of course, have Kyle Jamieson, Virat Kohli and Dan Christian on the podcast <laughs> next week and we'll let them duke it out um, on a rival podcast. Nice and pun. They can, uh, nice nice yeah. cricket ball pun. Yeah. Um, so look, let's move on to um, Baldy because you are, you are going to be chanting with Mumbai finding some form. Awesome game against uh, CSK. Um, Pollard was just next level wasn't a bowling performance um nearly took a brilliant one-handed diving catch with the ball and then came out and i'm not sure i've seen hitting that powerful that was that was scary to watch if you were um if you were an opposing bowler i think yeah i mean we talked about it last week we talked about what the balance of their side looks like with their middle order not firing they've made a change in that middle order they've promoted one of their big three guys in Cronall from seven to four effectively uh, which means that now Pollard's batting at five. Um, he scored 154 runs without being dismissed batting at five. He averages four batting at six or seven in the tournament so far. So they've figured that out. Uh, Cronall's averaging 35 batting at four or five, and he was averaging five batting at six or seven. So that necessary change that they needed to make, unfortunately, is it's Isan Kishan who's missed out, uh, but that's completely changed the balance of their side. They're still getting nothing from Hardik. Uh, but if he turns it around, it's you know it's game on for Mumbai. You talk about their run home; they've got four bottom four teams uh, in their next four games, and then they'll play the other th- the other teams currently in the top three in their last three games. So, you know they could be you know in the next ten days they could finish up eight and four. They're kind of four and three now. So if they go three and one against those bottom four sides, allowing for a banana skin. You know, they're eight and four going into their final three games, and they'll, they'll be putting pressure on the opposition. It's really uh, quite a bold point in the uh, IPL 2021 if the Mumbai go on to win it that will be the game or that's where what kicked them into gear yep. because they, they, I mean to be honest they probably shouldn't have won that game no way uh, even when Faf dropped that one at the yeah. end Ugh. if he had taken that they probably uh, Mumbai probably don't win that game no. but uh, yeah I, I was an incredible innings well I, I watched the highlights and I still didn't think they were going to win <laughs> um, and, and I obviously knew the result I was just like nah that's gone now nah. Um, it, it was an incredible, incredible game of cricket. With the top four, is, is that as good as confirmed now, do we think? I mean, we've not got many predictions, right? So, um, yeah, d- don't go straight down to the TAB with these comments. Uh, I, I think so. Uh, I can't, I mean, CSK, I mean, I think uh, going back to those other three teams that are, that are in there now, I think if you had asked anyone at the start of the tournament, probably Delhi and, and Mumbai at least would have would have been in most people's top four, obviously. And RCB. And, I think RCB and I, are probably in there. Yeah, yeah. So I think those three teams probably come as no surprise. And and I guess really we shouldn't be that surprised that CSK is back in there. We, we're talking about a squad that had made the playoffs every single year before last year. But and and last year really struggled for a number of different reasons. Mm. Suresh Rayner 
not being there and venue, venue, a, a whole bunch of different. Ravi, yep, no yep. Mawali. There you go. So Bull is just naming uh, millions Rainer? and millions Rainer? of different reasons. Yes, you said Rainer. Oh, you did. Yeah, he so, got that one. You know, I, I guess it's no surprise, and I, and I think probably if you look at it, they're the teams as well that have been least affected. I, I know RCB have had uh, Zampa and Richardson leaving their bubble, and and so that does now leave them a little bit light on the. That's a depth issue. That's not a first eleven issue, though, right? For those guys, exactly. Whereas you know, other squads have had big injuries happen to their first eleven to their to their best players. Maybe I'm wrong here, but the people who have said that they are not going to play weren't actually. In their team's first 11s at that at that time, even um, Ashwin wasn't playing for for Delhi when he decided to to move back home. I've got a question for you, Bingsy, um, around Moeen Ali. Do you think Chris Silverwood's looking back at um, the way that Moeen's batting there in the subcontinent and thinks that maybe they could have used him a bit more in the Test series as well as the white ball stuff? Yeah, well, well look, uh, look, we went into this on the podcast a hell of a lot. They asked Moen to stick around um, for that test series, and, and he said, "Nah, I'll, I'll take my, um, take my rest." And we're not going to. You said that I could have exactly, and uh, we've not asked any other player to yep. to forego that. And um, yeah, look, it, it's easy with hindsight, isn't it? Looking back at it, I, I've just really enjoyed watching him bat. He's he's looked fluid. He's looked relaxed. He looks um, refreshed. He's looked refreshed. He's looked part of the team. He's you know he's smiling. He's going about his cricket with. Yeah, big grin on his face, and 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 look, I think that you know that franchise has looked after him really, really well, and I think Donny rates him, and I think pumps his tires up, um, and he's the kind of guy that needs that as well. Um, and I'm look, I'm a little bit surprised that they didn't do that because I think Owen Morgan absolutely gets the best um, out of his players most of the time, but I do think the England camp have missed a, a real trick. The way the way he's playing the short ball is is something new to me. I don't I didn't pick I didn't picture him as playing the short ball as well as he is and. At the moment, the big thing for me is they treat him as a batsman who bowls mm. a little bit, mm. and and if you um, if you ask him, um, that's what he would describe himself as, R- regardless of his record and regardless of you know how well he's done with the ball for England in red um, and white ball cricket. If you asked him, he'd say, "I'm a top order batter." Um, you know, he bats you know three or four for Worcestershire. He's he's a fantastic player, and I think if he'd have been given a run um, up the order, he'd certainly be going better than some of the guys that have been tried in England's middle order over the last um, four or five years. How good was it in the last game when they used that uh, data-driven strategy when they brought him on for one over mm. against Quinton de Kock? They're like, if they've, he's got him out this many times, they've called it in the commentary box, first over. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. That data stuff is actually amazing now, and it feels like it's happening more and more. I mean, you know, we, um, I, I feel like we're only kind of just starting to get used to the fact that they are doing so much of that. I mean, we mentioned the, the Sunrisers game just before, and that Rashid Khan, I'm pretty sure why they bowled him those four overs is because he has an awesome record against Joss Butler. And so they were just bowling and bowling and bowling him against Joss Butler. Joss Butler out too. He did get Joss Butler out if they'd have used their if reviews. They had properly. used their review. But, you know, yeah, you're seeing it so much more now. And, and yeah, it's, it's remarkable that it, it has become that kind of a tactical T20 game where, you know, it used to just be classed as this, you know, bash and, and crash and, you know, nobody's really thinking they're just all slogging. Yeah, look, d- definitely becoming um, more data-driven. Night Riders and the Royals time for them 
to panic. So the COVID situation with the Night Riders notwithstanding, Royals struggling even to fill that overseas roster. They've tried um, to get Rassi van der Dussen, who apparently has been denied and no objection certificate from Cricket South Africa. They're saying he's injured. He's saying he wants to um, go. So they can't even fill those slots vacated by Jofra Archer and Liam Livingston. But yeah, struggling, those guys, do we think? Are they out of it? I'm not willing to put the line through them, mainly because of uh, one... Because they're my picks. Mainly because they're your pick, and I don't want you to be wrong. Um, <laughs> the uh, Sanju Sampson, oh. you can see he can win a game all on his own. Yeah. And I actually, di- I believe that Chris Morris deserves the highest paid oh, price mate, absolutely. Uh, that he's, he's got awesome. because he can win a game on his own. Uh, it's interesting. The very first game where Sanju Sampson was 120-odd and didn't take that run mm. off the second-to-last ball, Chris Morris was batting at the other end. He could have easily put a four away and won that game, and he didn't put him on strike. It could have been very different. Mm. And Joss Butler, his first T20 century. Mm. Um, so apparently Alistair Cook, who's got a T20 uh, century, has been ribbing him um, for, for years now, saying, I've got one more T20, 100 than you, Joss, and uh, he can't say that anymore. So the Royals aren't done yet. KKR... Let's let's assume that they can play all their remaining games and there's no more disruption to their side other than Varun and Sandeep. Can they make the playoffs from two and five? Raj, you say well, no? The, the main reason I'm saying no is because I think they've got one of the better rosters in the actual IPL, but they're just the, the strategy that they're using is not working, especially with their batting at the top of the order. Yeah, look, I think they can make it. This is roughly where CSK were last year in terms of the... Um, I guess the the wins and losses, and I know they failed by you know a single run last year, so um, probably not the greatest example. But I I, I I do think that they have got the as you say the roster. They've just got a f- phenomenal phenomenal mix of players there, and and it, it is the mix that they're not yeah. quite getting right at the moment. They need a, a chief cordial mixer there, don't they? For me, they they keep doing the same thing and hoping it will turn out. Dif- they need to do something a bit different. Put Andre Russell up the Ooh, order. Owen Morgan, I think, needs to bat up the order. Both of them need to. I, I think it's not. I think. I don't Both think it's a question. Oh, he's retired a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> Both of them. Look, their their schedule is going to be their undoing. They've got four games uh, between now and the thirteenth of May, so they've got four games in the next nine or ten days, COVID permitting, against the Challengers, the Caps, the Indians, and the Chennai Super Kings. They're the top four sides. So they're going to have to win at least two, if not three, of those four games to give themselves any chance of coming home strong against the Kings, the Royals, and the and and the Sunrisers at the end. So their season could be done before they've had a chance to fire to fire a shot, really, because I, I would expect them to win those last three games. You're you're all being far too kind. The top four is done. Those those four teams are playing too well, and they're all they're done. That that I just cannot see how the teams that are below and are, they're struggling. They've all got. Uh, you know, you look at the Punjab Kings. Now we've got KL Rahul going to be out of this, out of this, possibly out of the whole rest of the IPL with uh, this appendicitis that he's going to have yeah, give surgery on. These other teams have. Uh, we've just Sunrisers are struggling. You just said the Royals can't even can't even fill out and their overseas roster. It's done. It's done. I, I think the Punjab Kings are gonna are gonna are gonna push for it. Before we go round and round in circles and, um, and and come to blows, let's make a prediction for next week. I'm not going to talk about the table, but is the IPL still going to be on? One word answer, yes or no, next, this time next week. Lippy, I'll come to you first. Yep. Yes. 100%. Yes or no? <laughs> 100% yes. Um, 
Okay, I think I'm going to say that it's unanimous, which is the first time that it's ever happened on the podcast. Hooray! Good night, God bless, and we won't be back because we've got the utopia of us all agreeing um, on something in cricket. But guys, that does wrap up this episode of the Top Order podcast. We've enjoyed um, chatting all things IPL, ICC, World Cups, Commonwealth Games, all kinds of things going on. We will be back in your feed about a week's uh, time. Please feel free to fire onto our social media channels and give us a bit of grief for our predictions and comments throughout the course of this IPL. Um, But for now, it's good night and God bless from us all here in Auckland. Stay safe and we'll speak to you soon.